With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Hello, my awesome project managers. How you doing? It's your buddy Phil here, project management trainer and coach. I hope you're doing well. Today is the 18th of September, and it's coming down to the wire. Those of you who have planned to get certified by Q3, you've got about 12 days left, and you absolutely can do it. That is the reason why I put these clips out, just to inspire you and to get you to ship shape for your exam. Today, I heard from one of our listeners who sent a message from YouTube. So, we're going to read the message that we got from one of our friends, Andy. Andy, a huge shout out to you and congrats on your recent success. Andy says, Hi Phil, I studied hard for six months. The exam centers canceled my exam booking several times due to COVID, then lost the momentum, and then finally able to put a date of my exam and confirmed by the exam center only to realize that the syllabus of the exam had changed plus agile and have no idea what kind of new creature this is almost shot myself because of this with only four weeks to go before the exam and six weeks before the exam one year expiration date that's crazy So it really came down to the wire for Andy. Andy says, then I found this video. So Andy's talking about the clip that I put out called Key Agile Mindset. And you'll find that whether you're watching or listening, uh, whether you're listening on Spotify or you're listening on any of the other platforms, um, iTunes, Google, um, Podcast Addict, you'll find it on there. But it's about the Key Agile Mindset. So Andy says, I found this video, then I subscribed to your channel and watched all of them, literally all of them, every day for four weeks while skimming the PMBOK guide, while watching your video, listening to your Spotify and YouTube channel while driving to the office and groceries and all that. And today, I am PMP certified. Seriously, while reading the exam questions this morning, somehow, I can hear your voice your voice reading the questions for me along with the answers, my friend, LOL. Sometimes I could hear your voice as well while sleeping, even until now. Ha ha. So thank you. Your channel is underrated and deserves much more. Well, thank you, Andy Jack. I appreciate that. And I wish you all the very best now that you're PMP. Go forth and help someone else get certified. Point them to this channel. Point them to this podcast. Same for all my other friends getting ready for the exam. You absolutely can do it, and I wish you all the best. Now, you do know that we have three domains in this PMP exam content outline. We have one more domain to cover today, and that domain is the business domain. So we're going to talk about the business domain, 
But you know what we're going to do as usual? We are going to take a look at the PMP exam content outline from an agile and hybrid lens. It's one thing to read the content outline just thinking about the 49 processes, but I always want you to go a step further and to read the content outline and think about the agile and hybrid perspective. All right, so in the PMP exam content outline, we have people, process, business. The previous episodes, we covered people and we covered process. Today, we are covering business. So let's get down to business. Open up the PMP exam content outline and why don't you follow me to page 10? It's the business environment. The business environment is all about business related ideas and how those relate to projects. Let's go over this really quick because there are only four. But the thought and the thinking for this needs to be organizational level, program level, portfolio level, external environment level, and how that affects your projects, your organization, programs, portfolios, that big thing. And that's why the PMI have made this 8% because they know that in the publications they have, they actually didn't do a splendid job of documenting this clearly. And that's why those of you who are reading for the exam, you find yourself asking the question, where can I find this? Where can I find that? And the answer, you don't get. What you hear is crickets. <laughs> because it's hard to find this content, but I'll break it down for you. So let's go straight to the first task. It reads, plan and manage project compliance. So when you talk about compliance to begin with, how can we define it? Think about compliance like this. Compliance means adhering to a regulation, a law, a rule, a policy, a standard, a specification. And when we talk about this in business, compliance is linked to corporate governance. What is governance? Governance is the framework within which authority is exercised. It's the framework in which rules, regulations, and practices are upheld in the firm. So it's very firm level driven. Going a step further into the content outline, still in task one, it reads, plan and manage project compliance. First enabler, confirm project compliance requirements. So we're talking about requirements for security. This could be physical security. It could be data security. It could be health and safety. It could be regulatory compliance. So all those compliance requirements need to be identified. And guess what? In the world of predictive, we often say the project manager should identify these and they have the accountability and the responsibility for this. But you know the truth? From a hybrid and agile perspective, we need to adopt a decentralized responsibility, accountability mindset. See, that's how it works in the world of Agile. So it's not just one person's responsibility 
In the world of Agile, it's everyone's responsibility. Are there some individuals that may have an advantage of knowing more about these compliance clauses? Of course, but it's everyone's accountability and responsibility at the team level when we talk about this from an Agile perspective. We also have an enabler that says classify compliance categories, and then we have one that states determine potential threats to compliance. So think about it. Why would you classify compliance categories? Well, experience has shown that if you have categories for these compliance clauses and variables, it is easier for you to identify them, easier for you to take an account of each one. So classify the categories and determine threats to compliance. In other words, what are the risks that you would be out of compliance? And also, be honest. Does it make more sense to perhaps not be in compliance? Taking a look at a risk perspective and a risk response perspective, you know, one of the PMI principles, they say, optimize risk responses, choose the adequate risk response. Well, some organizations choose to not be in compliance. I'll give you a simple example. I was watching a soccer player today do this big old celebration and ripped off his shirt, and he knew he was going to be carded. He was not in compliance, but he decided to take the risk of being out of compliance to celebrate the goal. Now, sometimes in business, you choose to not be in compliance because the cost of being in compliance is too much. You'd rather pay the penalty than go through all these hoops and jumps and paperwork, you see. So that's another mindset that you can think about. When does it make sense to maybe not be in compliance? Okay, now this is all businessy stuff, and that's why it sounds kind of weird. Determine potential threats to compliance and then use methods to support compliance. Be intentional about your compliance. And then determine the necessary approach and action to address compliance needs. Think about how you need to act, steps you need to take, checkboxes you need to tick to address compliance needs from all perspectives, be it health, safety, risk, legal, and so on. And the last enabler simply reads, measure the extent to which the project is in compliance. So take stock of your levels of compliance all throughout. Don't wait till you are audited by an external auditor for SOX compliance or OSHA regulations and how well you're meeting those or the Americans with Disability Act or something to that effect. These are all regulatory law standards that we encounter in the world of business, security standards and so on. Okay? So that is the first task. Now, to round up this first task, how do you tackle these things from a pragmatic project perspective? Who is doing this? Is this part of the project? You bet, it is part of the project. And that's why the mindset needs to be identify what needs to be done and then make this part of your project tasks, part of what has to be done on the project at some time by the team, by someone in some capacity or the other, and as a whole. In the world of Agile, when we think about compliance, many a time these compliance 
activities, they get put into the backlog because they are part of what we genuinely look at as requirements. You know, there's a difference between a user story that is a nice to have, that's a request, versus a compliance item. And those compliance items, if they're part of what you're coding or what you're developing, whether in the world of IT or in the world of engineering or in the world of services, you want to make sure those compliance aspects are in there. Whether it's food service, you're dealing with the FDA, you better make sure you get all your ducks in a row. You get what I'm saying? That's the mindset. It could be anything. I know a lot of times when we look at agile and hybrid stuff, there's a tendency to want to think IT, but no, no, no. Don't just think IT. Think wider than IT. Think gaming. Think medical industry. Um, think um, food, FDA, stuff like that. All right, let's move on to task two. Task two is evaluate and deliver project benefits and value. The summary is this. When you are taking on a project, always ask the question, what is the benefit? What is the definite chief aim? Why are we doing this? What value are we looking to give to the customer? So we want to investigate, first of all, that benefits are identified not that benefits are realized, but that you identify them. There's a very robust section in the Pembok Guide 6th edition on page 33 forward that talks about benefits. And there's a brilliant page 7 in the 6th edition that really gives you examples of tangible benefits, intangible benefits. Highly advise you to go read that up so that you understand what we mean by benefits. And what we mean by value, because it says evaluate and deliver project benefits and value. So... Value, when we say something has value, we're talking about the net quantifiable benefits that a customer or stakeholder realizes. If the customer is getting benefits, they are getting value because value is the net quantifiable benefits that a customer realizes. So you want to identify that these benefits are identified, right, first of all, and then document agreement on ownership for ongoing benefit realization. In other words, who's going to own these benefits? Who's the benefits owner? This is all talked about in the Pembroke Guide 6th edition, page 33. The benefits management plan is really the document they're alluding to. Some people just call it a benefits plan. But that's where you begin the journey. Identify the benefits, know who the benefits owner is, get specific, right? Get quantitative, get qualitative, get specific. Number three says verify a measurement system is in place to track benefits. In other words, make sure you know what you're measuring. Are you measuring ROI? Are you measuring MPV? What exactly are you measuring? The fourth one is evaluate delivery options to demonstrate value. Ask the question, how are we going to deliver? Are we going to deliver incrementally? Are we going to do it a one-time thing? Pretty much, is this incremental or is this iterative or is it predictive? There are many questions you can ask, but you're either delivering one time or you're delivering multiple times. Some projects you absolutely can do that and other projects you can't. But some projects where you can't deliver multiple times, you can think about an incremental validation of the sub-deliverables, even though you can't deliver a sub-deliverable on some projects all on their own. 
they just won't work. There's no point. But you can have those incremental milestones, and you know what value you're getting? You're getting value from customer feedback. In the world of agile, we call this MVP, the minimum viable product. What is a minimum amount of product you need to show a customer? Or what is the minimum thing you need to do? MVP doesn't have to be a product, as I've said many a time. Could actually be a discussion. But the thing about MVP, you want to get feedback to make sure you're building the right stuff. And once you know what to build, then you know how to deliver it as you think more critically and introspectively. So evaluate the delivery options to demonstrate value when you know that this is definitely going to deliver value. Ask, okay, how should we deliver it? Frequent, smaller increments? Maybe larger chunks, maybe a one-time thing. All right. Final one here for task two is appraise stakeholders of value gain progress. In other words, let your stakeholders know the value that has been delivered over successive time periods. For some projects, there's no value until you're done. Other projects, you begin realizing value along the way. And some projects, you deliver a product and it takes another six months, one year before you realize any value from it. But it's good to know what you're dealing with. Let's go to task three. Evaluate and address external business environment changes for impact on scope. Think about that. External business environment changes. Let's talk about the crazy pandemic. When COVID hit, a lot of organizations had to do just that. They had to evaluate and address the business environment changes because no longer could their teams go into work. No longer could they sustain work in person. It had to be done by small teams coming on different shifts. It had to be done for some companies like training companies. They had to change how they were doing stuff. And this is all they're saying in task three. Constantly as a good project manager, evaluate external business environment changes for the impact on scope. If the scope needs to change, change it. So you were thinking of building this big old 10-story structure to house your team and then COVID hit and you got 1,000 workers who don't need to be in the office but you were about to fork out 50 million on a new building and it's going to two years and you see what I'm saying? This is when we need to think in an agile fashion because maybe that's not the best use of your resources at this time. You see, so evaluate and deliver project benefits and value. And then when you know what value you're thinking about, constantly evaluate and address external business environment changes for impact on scope, because you may not be able to realize that value, those benefits of housing your team in this new structure, because the environment has changed. And that's a pretty drastic example. But on every project, there are examples of how the external environment could affect the project scope. So the idea is this, if you've thought about this from an agile perspective, as you prepared for the exam, you might have thought about backlog refinement. Well, that's part of it. Backlog refinement is when the product owner is constantly, not only in a backlog refinement ceremony, but it's constantly looking at the environment and asking the question, what has changed? How should I reprioritize with the team? 
this product backlog. What needs to go? What can stay? Perhaps we can cut off 50% of those product backlog items. We don't need them anymore. That's the way you need to be thinking. Being agile. All right. So assess and prioritize the impact on project scope, backlog, based on changes in the external business environment, and then recommend options for scope or backlog changes. Pretty much what I said, based on the business environment, you may need to make changes to the product backlog, schedule changes, cost changes, and then continually review external business environment for impacts on project scope, the backlog. It's a constant thing. Constantly ask, what is changing? New technology has arrived. Oh, well, we know that our customers aren't going to want what we're building because there's a new technology. You know, case in point, when 3D printing came on the scene, there were a lot of companies that realized they couldn't keep doing what they were doing at the rate they were doing. A lot of the projects had to change. They had to realize that it was a cheaper, more efficient way of doing things. 3D printing. Just as an example, let's go to number four. Number four is support organizational change. And that's big. We're not talking about project change or program change or portfolio change. No, this is far-reaching, higher-level change, organizational change. And the first enabler is assess organizational culture. Why? Because based on culture, you know how people will react to change. You know how people will be when you announce a change is coming. Some firms are just change averse. Some firms, they're deeply rooted in tradition and they just find a hard time changing to anything. So assess your organizational culture and understand how best to deliver your project outcomes and outputs so that it will be taken in a productive manner. Some projects try to do too much too soon. They haven't assessed the organization's culture and they are harming the organization by doing too much too quick. You know, in the Pembroke Guide 7th edition, it reads something to the effect of people having change fatigue because you're trying to do too much change too quick. Don't do it, is pretty much what PMI is saying. The Pembroke Guide 7th edition actually takes change to a pretty high level. And I'm not talking about summary level. No, I'm, I mean, they really went pedal to metal in talking about various change models. We talk about the William Bridges transition model. We talk about the ADCAR model. We talk about the John Carter's model and others, including PMI's FIPIMS, um, FPIMS uh, model. I call it a FIPIMS model. But there's a lot of talk about that. I'm not telling you this because I'm saying these models are going to appear on the exam. No, I'm trying to sensitize you to how vast organizational change is. The ADCAR model is a brilliant addition and it sensitizes you to what people go through and how you should respond as a professional. And the William Bridges transition model, it just helps you see how people go through peaks and valleys of emotions, some pretty rough emotions. And 
when you understand what people are going through, as you try to introduce change, that should prompt you to have sense-making sessions, to be empathetic towards people as they go through change in an organization. So the final task in business is all about supporting organizational change, assess the organization's culture, evaluate the impact of the organizational change to your project, and determine required actions. So how does change happening in the firm as a whole affect my project? And the last enabler is another question. How does my project impact the organization? In other words, evaluate the impact of your project to your organization and determine required actions. What needs to be done? What needs to be done to make sure that this change is absorbed the best way possible, is conveyed the best way possible? These are the ideas behind this one, you know, and we could go into things like empathy and sense-making sessions and bringing the organization along, doing all the right people stuff. And trust me, you will be tested on change management at the project level and at the organizational level on your exam. You can expect those. So when we talk about change in process, it's different, right? We've gone over that before. Uh, talking about change on the process level, it's all about you know artifacts and deliverables and process and stuff. But task four in the business environment is at a higher level. It's organizational change. And you want to be proficient with that thinking and you should know what to expect. In other words, it's all in the outline. Read it. Okay, my friend. So we're done talking about the business environment. We've talked about plan and manage project compliance. We've talked about evaluate and deliver project benefits and value. Evaluate and address external business environment changes for impact on scope and support organizational change. And I know I went through it really quick. We actually could break this down for the next four hours. All right. So I still want you to go read up some of this stuff that I mentioned. Go read up page 33 and uh, the sixth edition, look at page seven, um, open up your agile practice guide, just mine for some information regarding uh, this along these lines and put on your organizational change thinking cap when you get into the exam. All right. I hope this has been of help to you. Don't forget to hit like if you can, if you're watching this on YouTube, share with your friends, please subscribe, please. If you're enjoying it, I want you to give it a thumbs up. I want you to give it a rave review and I wish you all the very best on your exam. You take care and I will speak to you again very soon. Bye for now.